In this interview series we call The Circuit, TechPoint serves up the human stories behind the major tech headlines in Indiana. I am your host, Roger Schumann, Senior Relationship Manager at TechPoint. Today we talk to Yao Aning, CEO and founder of Malomo. Malomo is disrupting the e-commerce industry by empowering retailers with the ability to market to customers during the shipment process. In this episode, we talk about the motivation behind founding Malomo, the marketing opportunity they saw in shipment tracking, and Yao's entrepreneurial journey. Roger Schum with Checkpoint. Thanks for tuning into the circuit. Uh, our guest today is Yao Aning with Malomo. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, first off, for those not familiar with, familiar with Malomo, can you describe it at a high level? Yeah. What the company does and the customers you serve? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we, uh, Malomo is a shipment tracking platform for e-commerce businesses. Um, so we work with, uh, you know, growth stage retailers that sell online directly to their customers and we help them manage the um, the delivery experience. We, right. we, we kind of level the playing field um, for, for merchants who compete against the Goliath that is Amazon, right. delivering that really crisp, clean customer experience around delivery. Yeah, and well, that was actually a question I was going to ask you with yeah. regards to Amazon. Do, you, do you, cre- you create something that allows them, you said to level the playing field, yeah. to have, a, have an experience that allows them to, to compete with yeah. companies that are, are doing business on Amazon? Yeah, so if you think about Amazon, one of the things that they've succeeded at in a really tremendous way is they drive a ton of customer loyalty, and they do that predominantly through their Prime program, right. where like you subscribe and, and you get, um, you know, you get this amazing experience around delivery, free shipping, free returns, um, and they are hyper-transparent with you about where your package is mm-hmm. and route. And, and those three things really help drive that uh, desire within consumers to want to buy with them again because they make that so frictionless to do. Right. Um, the merchants that we work with are traditionally not selling on Amazon. They're selling direct-to-consumer through their own website, and they don't have the technology or tools to connect to this global delivery infrastructure um, where they can track packages at scale to every single customer and alert them of where their order is in transit and keep them up to speed on what's going on. And so we, we help them provide that customer experience um, to help them compete with Amazon and drive more loyalty in their business. Okay. Okay, so these are small to medium-sized businesses. Yes, yeah, that's right. And then, so the name Malomo, it's it. I looked it up. So yeah, it, it, it's African, which means do not go away or do not go anywhere. Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and funny story. So. Um, the name actually comes from my mom. She uh, she uh, ran a soap business, and uh, and so um, that soap business she was she was kind of going through a, a health um, a, a health problem mm-hmm. at the time, and um, she had to stop working and, and moved home. But really entrepreneurial spirited, uh, spirited and got into soap making. And then when people uh, people would come and visit her while she's going through treatments. Um, she'd hand out her latest bar of soap and she'd launch into these stories and conversations <laughs> and you could just tell it really like lit up her spirit when 
when those things those things happened. So she named that soap company Malomo. Okay. We, my sister and I asked her, like, where'd that name come from? And she's like, don't know. It just popped in my head one day. Um, and lo and behold, we didn't, I actually didn't find out till after the, the name okay. had that meaning of don't go. And it, 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 uh, it actually plays so well into our mission. It's perfect. Vision, right. Yeah. Which is like, we want to want to drive these relationships and create lasting customers for our, for our, um, for the merchants that we work with. So, so now out of all the different marketing channels to focus on, cause you come from a, from a background where you were doing a lot of consulting for other companies in the past. Yeah. Um, what was the opportunity that you saw in shipment tracking? Yeah. So we kind of, uh, quite frankly, we kind of stumbled into it. So we, um, I ran a consulting agency called Sticks and Leaves with my co-founder right. now, Anthony Smith. And we were working with um, a lot of early stage companies towards the latter half of running that agency. Um, we started working with a lot of direct consumer brands. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, they would come to us with, you know, hey, we need to, you know, we're using Shopify and we need to build some custom product or tool to help plug into Shopify to help us power some part of our customer experience around operations in our company. Um, and so we got exposed to the Shopify ecosystem and and uh, it was just eye opening to us how 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 large these businesses were. Um, I think a lot of people looked at Shopify as like, oh, you, if you're running a small mom and pop business, like you're using Shopify. If you're a, if you're a big player, you're, you're selling through marketplaces mm-hmm. like Amazon or Walmart. Um, but we were just blown away by, you know, you'd see these, these teams of five or 10 people doing five or 10 million in revenue um, and, and just scaling tremendously fast, but really struggling around that, that post-purchase experience. Um, and so what, what we ended up doing was, you know, what if we could build a tracking platform to help them control customer complaints whenever delivery problems occurred? Uh, we built a small prototype, gave it to our consulting clients, and we had this aha moment where we saw consumers look at the tracking emails 10, 15, 20 times during a delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, having worked with these merchants in the past, they're always looking for an edge on, on trying to grow their, their business and software. We're lucky in that when we sell a customer once, they typically tend to pay you month after month over time. Right. In e-commerce, you've got to resell every single customer, every single time right. you want to drive revenue. Um, so we thought, well, what if we could use that customer engagement and actually turn it into a growth asset for the merchant um, and kind of turn shipping into this marketing channel? And being an indie in the MarTech right. of the world, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it kind of made sense. Okay. Um, and so that's what we did. Yeah, we combined the two things into one, this one kind of platform. So then I've heard Malomo described as a shipping tracking platform. Um, and you've even said it as well. But at the end of the day, are you an e-commerce company, yeah. logistics, customer experience, branding, all the above? What, what, what yeah. would you call yourself? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all the above. Yeah. I mean, we, um, we help our, our, so we call ourselves a post-purchase experience platform, um, but we help our clients kind of manage all of those things, right? Like delivery is kind of an emotional part of the customer journey. When you buy something online, there's there's this this emotion of being super excited, like it's Christmas, mm-hmm. but you're also super anxious. Like, did you buy from a reputable brand? You might have just stumbled on an ad on Instagram. Um, you know, you don't actually know if you're going to get the package or whether it's going to be delivered in a time frame that makes any sense. Um, so we help manage that that kind of transparent communication. But we also help our clients grow their business, kind of serving as as an e-commerce company where we help 
our, our clients strategize around how can you cross-sell and upsell right. to, to consumers while they're waiting for their current delivery in transit? Um, can we manage the customer experience at whole so people really feel like, they're, um, like they have a really good understanding of their package and you build trust with that consumer over time? Um, so yes, all of the above right. as well, how we, how we kind of look at things. Now I've also, I've heard you say, uh, COVID reset consumer behavior Yeah, and that hundreds of millions of people began ordering products online who weren't ordering before. So, which is obviously a real boon for a company like yeah. Malomo, but yes. uh, as we continue to climb out of this sheltering phase of, of the pandemic, how does that impact your business? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's a great question. We, we see the impact in two ways. Um, COVID reset expectations and it created this new buying behavior where people who traditionally may not have bought online felt they felt very comfortable buying online because they had no other choice. They had to really reacclimate to this new new world. Um, and so you saw the percentage of commerce that was happening uh, through digital channels double, triple through this mm. period. Um, as the world opens back up, we don't expect that consumer behavior to really change. Um, um, we expect uh, this movement that was already in motion of retail moving online to continue. Um, we are seeing a, a slightly slowed trend, though, um, with, with orders as, as we kind of get back to this new normal where, where COVID sent uh, e-commerce here, where it, the normal trajectory might have been here. Mm -hmm. It's resetting, so it's going back to that normal, but it's still yeah. on that acceleration trend. I mean, I would expect, you know, it, during, the, during the pandemic, you, you know, like you said, hundreds of millions of people were now ordering online. But in addition to ordering like cameras and, and computers, they were ordering soap and yes, household, yeah. you know, household yeah, cleaners yeah. and food. And like, you know, I'm, I order some of that stuff online, too, but I may not yeah. be looking at, at my phone every five minutes to see, you know, where my Doritos are. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> but if I'm ordering something that I really care about. Yes. I mean, and, and, and once I figure out that, like, that can be a key part of the ordering process that I would think that is something that would keep people coming back again yeah, and again. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So since founding the company four years ago. Malomo's raised over $8 million in three rounds. Yeah. You've received two Amir Awards. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, and very recently made it into the SMB Tech 50 list, which is actually another pretty cool accomplishment, yeah. too. Um, what do you equate all this rapid growth to? What is it about, um, about Malomo that was the right idea for the right time? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. So you had this, um, I think we... we you know, there's a there's a bit of there's quite a bit of luck in there, right? Like we sure. we we were lucky in that we had spent a lot of time in the Shopify ecosystem early on, um, pre-COVID, mm -hmm. and we saw this trend in e-commerce accelerating um, at a pretty rapid pace. Um, you 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 had this this consumer behavior that had been set with Amazon and making people feel very comfortable buying online. Um, and, uh, and we were just, we were in the right place at the right time. Um, we, we had tailwinds from COVID, mm -hmm. right? Like that, that obviously helped our growth trajectory. Um, but I think, a, a, another big part of it was, uh, was a team that we were able to, to put in place, um, and, uh, and really, really attack the, the concept, um, as quickly as we could. Mm -hmm. Like we, um, it was obvious that people, um, people were really comfortable buying a lot of things. They discover new products and services um, through digital channels like Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and, and these merchants, you know, like, we, like I said before, they were, they were experiencing such under-the-radar growth 
um, that like we were just lucky to to be in that ecosystem as as it was right. starting to yeah. to advance. And so, um, you know, a lot of what we did was pay attention to customer needs um, and work as fast as humanly possible to yeah. serve those needs. Um, and and uh, and then uh, you know the, this. I think the story goes. You know, you, you can't time a market. Like you can, right. you can just right. be in the space that yeah. uh, that you hope that you hope experiences that level of growth. And that's, so I think those yeah. the combination of all those things has helped really yeah. drive us. Certainly there was some luck. You were in yeah. the right place at the right time, but if you're in the right place at the right time with a bad idea and no yeah. execution, then, you know, yep. so obviously you had some, some of the pieces together and some of your experience from past companies as yes. well. Yeah. So in the early days of Malomo, um, you were interviewed by TechPoint. And we asked you why you chose to take on investors with Malomo because in the past, like with other companies like Sticks and Leaves, yeah. um, you were bootstrapped. Yeah. So what was the decision process and how has it played out? Why, why did yeah. you decide to take on investment uh, this time around and what's been the impact? Yeah. Um, so one of the, the reasons that we decided to take investment this, this time around was that we saw the market emerging in very quickly. Um, in software, you tend to see winner takes all or winner take most happening, and uh, and and uh, we just I feel like we had, we had just discovered this like hidden opportunity that was that was in plain sight, mm-hmm. um, and so we really wanted to move aggressively and kind of set yep. um, set a leadership position with our brand and our product, uh, and uh, and you just can't do that bootstrapping. You, right. know, you, you just you you've got to move slower. You got to move more judiciously. Um, and so we we just we just knew that we really wanted to move fast and take yeah. advantage of the opportunity. Um, we also felt like you know having partners who could help us scale at that pace was going to be right. paramount to our success. Right. Um, we were fortunate to know the team at High Alpha and Hyde Park um, before we'd started the company and and shared early visions. And I think they their expertise around email marketing around SaaS. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, the, we we could learn uh, years worth of of uh, of things without having to kind of make mistakes, right? And so uh, that has been those partnerships have been tremendous. It's, yep. it's helped with recruiting. They've introduced us to hires. Um, it's helped with our brand and recruiting yeah. in the indie ecosystem as well. Um, they've helped us see around corners mm-hmm. uh, and understand how we can navigate problems as we experience growth. Uh, we've gotten customer introductions, yeah. and so it's been just a tremendous, tremendous experience partnering with with these folks and, and figuring out how to grow the business. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no there's no sense bringing on a big check in, unless that check also includes some expertise or experience yes. or customers. Yes. Um, Yep. Because it's going to help you in the long run. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, absolutely. All right, so so you work with companies. You mentioned one like like Shopify yeah. and, and Clavio, and they were once scaling up technology companies yeah. too. Um, Shopify is now publicly traded. Clavio, their last raise was a Series D at three hundred and twenty million, which is a, that's a mega round. Yeah, um, these companies appear to be in it for the long haul. Um, where do you see Malamo in five, ten years? Yeah, I, so I'd uh, you know I'd love to build a pillar company in Indy. Um, Indy's been great to me, uh, and and uh, and I've learned so much and made so many connections here that um, I think it's important mm-hmm. to to continue that that innovation streak here in here in Indianapolis. Um, you know, my co-founder and I we are we are trying to build a large, independent, durable business. Um, and, and 
for the pure fact of we really love this problem mm-hmm. and and we believe in the mission uh, and and we want to spend decades trying to figure out how to crack the code around this. Um, you know, the way that we look at the business is Shopify made it really, really easy for anybody, small mom, mom and pop shop, all the way up to big public companies, independent retailers to build and scale their commerce businesses um, and drive people to the buy button. We want to do the exact same thing for post-purchase, right? Help those small mom and pop retailers all the way up to the big independent companies craft these experiences that that delight and entertain and communicate to mm-hmm. their end consumers um and so that's that's what our end goal is 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 to do that here in indianapolis cool so you mentioned indianapolis let's talk a little bit about your professional journey yeah. you grew up in minnesota yeah um after your parents immigrated to the U.S., okay. uh, but you came to Indiana to go to school, yes, and you went yeah. to Rose Holman, yeah, and yeah. you studied civil engineering, yes, yeah. yeah, which is an obvious connect to what you're yeah, doing right I mean, now, yeah, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but what drew you to the school? Yeah, I. Uh, so interestingly enough, I had never heard of it. I played soccer really. Yeah, yeah, you're a soccer player. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, and I was and I was dead set on on going to the coast. My parents were like. To, uh, I feel like many immigrant parents. They kept like you this. grounded. Yeah, yeah, right. You're going to an Ivy League school. You're studying. <laughs> yeah. You're studying medicine. You're studying law. You're studying accounting. Right. Um, and uh, and so uh, lo and behold, I, I was. We were at a, a tournament, um, and the coach at Rose Holman saw me. Saw I had I had listed architecture, engineering, math, and science as like mm-hmm. interest areas. And he beelined it to my dad and kind of sold my dad on, hey, you got to come for a school visit and came down to the school and was just blown away uh, at both the academics and the athletics. Like yeah. they, the, the Colts had their training, their, their summer training. Yeah, at the time, at, that's at, right. At yeah. Home, and yeah. The, the facilities were immaculate because of that. And uh, I just felt like I got that great combination of yeah. both athletics and, and, and academics. Cool. So that's why I chose the school, yeah. So with the focus on... Civil engineering. What prompted you to look into the OR fellowship? Because yeah. you're an OR fellow. Yeah. So I civil engineering. I love the intersection of of art and like math and science. Mm-hmm. And so civil engineering was that great combination where you could design these beautiful buildings, um, and then do the hard math and science around how they get they get built and stand the test of time. I really wanted to start a company as well, and I knew it'd take forever to launch a civil engineering company. Um, and I'm pretty impatient. So <laughs> I, around my junior year, I looked for opportunities to kind of get off that career path. And again, as luck would have it, um, saw a job posting for the OR Fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and, and I, it just looked like a dream opportunity to just get off that career path, dip my toe into entrepreneurship, learn from the best. Um, and uh, and, I, and I, I, I applied having no expectations that I'd have a shot. I was assuming it'd be all... IU Kelly grads, right? Um, finance or business backgrounds, and um, but I was, you know, I was determined, and uh, um, you know, uh, luckily had had uh, four job offers, all taking me out of Indiana, um, and the one that was here was the Or Fellowship, and felt like I couldn't pass it up, right? Yeah. And that job that was was that City Securities City Corporation, Securities, yeah. So tell me what you did there, and what did you yeah. learn? So I was a financial analyst there. Um, again, great segue. Yeah. Civil engineer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I worked in their corporate finance group. It's right. a city's an investment bank. Um, and the, the corporate finance group helped uh, kind of grow stage companies with mergers and acquisitions, 
um, as well as raising private equity debt and venture capital. Right. So that had to feed your entrepreneurial yes. spirit. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. it was just a great, great kind of first step into the business world. And, cool. And uh, really helped kind of set that foundation. So after City Securities, you start your first company, yes. Pocket Tales, yeah. along with Anthony Smith. Yep. Uh, so talk to me about the inspiration behind that platform and what yeah. lessons you learned from that. Yeah. So Pocket Tales is an online reading game for kids. Um, we actually came up with the idea at a startup weekend. I don't know if those still happen or not. <laughs> yeah, they do. I don't. They I do? don't. Okay. Yeah, I don't know who's doing them right now. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. So the startup weekend was you go to this event and try to build a company in a weekend. Yeah. Um, the original idea was to take uh, children's books and turn them into, into iPhone apps. So this was right around the time that the iPhone had just started accepting third-party developers. Hmm. Nobody knew how to create like businesses on top of this platform. Mm -hmm. but it was just like really cool and interesting. Um, and so we we uh, yeah we decided to to kind of take our a stab at that. Um, did some customer interviewing, and the the first thing out of parents' mouths was, "This is really impressive," but. I'm not going to give my kid a $600 device. Right. Right. Yeah. There's no way. And now they all have them. And now they all have, yeah. yeah. Like the and they have iPads. And yeah. 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 Uh, now schools are going to one-to-one. -one. Yeah. Um, you were you were just ahead of the game on early. that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> too early. Uh, too ahead of our time. Um, yeah. So that, that was it. That okay. And, for the idea. And so Anthony Smith was a part of that yes. company as well, right? Yeah. So he's he's been a fixture throughout your entire professional career. Yeah. So can you talk to me about how the two of you met and yeah. have, have, have worked collaboratively? Yeah, so he, um, uh, so I, I had started Pocket Tales um, and, uh, and, and, and he had actually joined me with that company later. Okay. Um, so I, um, he, the way he tells it, he, he, I think he <laughs> saw a, a random article about what we were doing um, he's a he's a developer by background right. and really wanted to start a company. He's a Purdue guy. Yeah, Purdue yeah, guy. Yeah. Purdue grad. Yeah, and and saw the article and just, he was he's a huge uh, voracious reader and so that intersection of like reading and tech mm -hmm. uh, was like perfect and so yeah. he just he just reached out to me. Um, we grabbed coffee, hit it off, um, and uh, and became fast friends. And over the course of about three months, just really talked through partnering together and it really felt right and uh yeah. and joined forces yeah. three companies later you're still yes still, working together so still in the trenches yeah so after pocket tails uh you then started a consulting firm called yes. sticks and leaves yeah. what inspired you to go in that direction direction instead of starting another software company? yeah so funny enough so anthony actually started six and leaves okay he was he was uh doing some independent consulting when when he and i met and okay so um you know we did not have funding for pocket tails at the time right so we you know, nights and weekends we were working on pocket tails and we needed money to, to come in so that we could continue to do things. And, 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 uh, and so since he was already kind of consulting on the side, he, you know, he said, well, why don't we just bring in a few more consulting projects? Um, and, uh, and, you know, we can, we can sustain ourselves mm -hmm. in that way. Um, and, and the consulting business took off pretty, pretty, um, pretty immediately. We, um, we landed contracts with with Rolls Royce, yeah. a couple early stage companies. Hired some some folks and and uh, continued to like incubate mm -hmm. pocket tails inside of of sticks and leaves. And um, you know, as as these things go, we um, you know it's it's hard to run two companies at once. Yeah, you know. So um, what ended up happening is the consulting business got all the love and the attention, and in pocket tails, we just weren't able to continue to devote the resources that it yeah. needed to thrive and, and get the traction, and so we ended up shutting down pocket tails and 
and going full force at Sticks and Leaves. Um, and over the course of about seven years, built about 100 different web and mobile SaaS products. Yeah. Um, reaching about 15 employees at, at its peak. Yeah, so that's what I was going to ask you next. So, you know, you helped launch mobile experiences for some pretty big companies. You mentioned Rolls-Royce, yeah. uh, Amplify, yeah. Cluster Truck, yeah. Cochex. Yeah. Um, what were some of the unique challenges in pivoting between these different industries? And, and what about that experience laid the foundation for starting yeah. Malomo? Yeah, so I think one of the, the most exhilarating but most challenging things about consulting when you're working in a lot of those different industries is you've got you to start from zero every time, right? You've got to have a beginner's mindset and really try to understand the customer pain points, the market dynamics from uh, um, kind of this, this first principles viewpoint. Um, and, and you rely on the, the companies that you're partnering with to give you some of those insights. Um, the beauty of that is you get to try your hand at a lot of different solutions mm-hmm. and you get to see how a lot of different markets intersect or don't. Um, and, and that convergence, I think, helps you inspire new ideas um, and, and, and you, you kind of build this muscle for thinking creatively. Right. Um, and so th- those were, those were um, really helpful. We... Uh, oddly enough, a lot of the companies that we worked with, so Blue Bridge, Cluster Truck, mm-hmm. um, Amplify, um, Coat Checks, uh, they were all they were all B two B two C companies. Yeah. they were building software that they sold to other businesses, but they're delivering a consumer experience to the end users. Um, which is what Malomo is. Right. Like we we yeah. are selling software to e-commerce marketers, but they are trying to deliver really unique cust- uh, experiences to their end end consumers. Um, so just that that experience was just you know you you can't buy that. Right. right? It, yeah. It again talking about that luck thread. Um, we were fortunate to get the opportunity to be able to do that. You know, dozens of times for our consulting clients and get really really good at yeah. managing both of those those audiences and stakeholders with, with a technology product. And I think you referred to it early on in the interview, but at some point a light went off and you were like, wait a minute, this is a, there's a whole piece yeah, here yeah. that we can solve for. Yes. And so it was time to shift gears from sticks and leaves to Malomo. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. All right, so let's shift gears again. Uh, I want to focus um, on another bit of news that you had recently. Back in January, yeah. uh, you announced that Malomo was going to pivot to a four-day uh, yes, uh, yeah. work week for yeah. six months. Curious to know what originally prompted you to explore a shorter work week. Yeah, uh, so we were we were not thinking about a four-day work week. At the, at the time, we were... Uh, we were talking through this as a team. Um, there was just so much happening just in the macro mm-hmm. environment um, that we felt like we really needed to, to prioritize our our team's kind of mental health and well-being. Mm-hmm. And so we we were talking through ways in which we could do that. And, and as a leadership team, and we were throwing around ideas. And one of the ideas was, should we... Should we take you know a week off in um, in in one of the upcoming months, um, uh, or should we take a couple days off and and uh, we we did it primarily in anticipation of um, the Super Bowl season of e-commerce, which is the mm-hmm. holidays. Um, so in September, you know what we did was um, you know we decided to to use that as a, as a month to really help our team recharge and energize. As we were talking through that, um, two of my leadership, 
leadership team members came to me separately and said, hey, have you heard about this four-day work week? And like, <laughs> you know, what do you think about it? And and we, you know, we had very transparent conversations. In my yeah. mind. And I'm like, That's, this sounds really great. But there's no way. <laughs> right. There's no way we're doing this. Um, um, but when they two, when they, they both came independently, it, it kind of made me pause. I'm like, well, maybe we should consider this mm-hmm. a little bit more deeply. And so we had a lot of conversations and it ended up saying, okay, we don't know if we're ready for this, but let's dip our toe into this a little mm-hmm. bit. We'll dub September Men- Mental Health Month. Yeah. We'll take um, one day off a week for the entire month. Uh, and we'll kind of run a test. We're not going to tell the, the company that we're running this test. We're just going to tell them we're, um, we're, just, we're just prepping for, for, for the holidays. Um, what ended up happening was kind of eye-opening. Um, that month, we surveyed the team afterwards, asked them questions around, like, do you feel like you're more or less productive? Do you feel like you were, your mental health was in a better place or not? Did you have more time to spend with your family? Or, and did you, did you feel like you got enough done at work? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, resounding yes across all those categories. Um, so then we looked at company performance, and in September, we broke company records, mm-hmm. right? Most sales. Um, uh, highest number of marketing leads, biggest product launches that we had. And so we thought, we can't ignore this. Yeah. This seems like our employers are happy, happier and they're delivering better results for the company. We've got to think through this a little bit more. And so that's when we decided to, to maybe do a longer test. You yeah. know, we still weren't, we, um, as a company, we, we, we didn't want to just fully commit to something without knowing potential repercussions yeah. over this over the long term. And so we decided to run a six-month test. Uh, we're coming up on month six at the end of June. Um, surveyed, surveyed the team and, and uh, continued to get really, really positive, yeah. impactful results. Well, and I think you know a, a lot of us who work in tech have, have had the experience during the pandemic that, especially if you're working remotely, you know, you can be working anytime. Yes. And yeah. sometimes it takes someone to tell you to shut it off to where you actually take a break. Yes. And you probably were getting tons more pro- productivity out of your employees, especially if they like their job. Yes. Because they're yeah. going to just jump in and they're going to work and work and work because they can see results. Yep. And yeah. so I think yeah. you, you, you did your company, you did your employees a world of, of or it, so much. Yeah. You did them so much good yeah. by, by telling them to turn off. I appreciate that. So, so you're about at the end yes. of that yeah. six months. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah, it's it's going it's going great. Um, yeah, it's going really well. Uh, when we talk to the team, um, you know, they all seem very very happy about it. Like we we asked point blank, should we continue to do this? And hundred percent of the employees mm-hmm. said yes. Um, we no one said they wanted to work another day a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Surprising, <laughs> yeah. <very> shocking. <laughs> um, but we continue to see really fantastic. Um, results inside the company. One of the things that was unexpected for for me is that you know I think people think about four day work weeks as it's it's easier, right? It's it's uh, um, you get one day off a week. Um, what what it actually is is it's more intense, right? Like you you are trying to accomplish uh, the same amount of output in four days, not like four days in 40 hours. It's four mm-hmm. days in 32 hours. So you've got to mm-hmm. be really militant with your time. You've got you've to remove roadblocks within the team. You've got to think more creatively about solutions because you don't have a lot of time to work on them. And people, people go fast for four days um, because they also know they can, they've got three full days to recover. They have yeah. one day 
where they, they can just turn off and not think about things. And then they have the whole weekend to do right. personal things. So you're not telling them to work an extra two hours every day to make up for lost time. Right, right. Um, are you, um, does everyone take the same day off? Yes. So it's Friday yes. or Monday Friday. or, okay. Yeah, that was yeah. a discussion point yeah. inside the company too. Like, should we, should we scatter or rotate days off? And yeah. One of the things that we, we heard was, well, if, if one person's not working one day, they're inevitably going to feel a pull to come back in because the whole company's still yeah. working, right? Yeah. Um, so we all decided it's got to be one day the whole company's off so mm-hmm. you can turn off. What have been some of the unexpected benefits of, of this experiment so yeah. far? Yeah, yep. Um, so so there, there, there are a couple. Um, there are less meetings inside the company. Um, that's, a, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, um, it's got to be a relief for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you got to be 100% focused yeah. on the most important things. People prioritize, right, the work that's most impactful. Um, we got, we as a management team have to think very clearly about where we aim the company because there's just less time to do things. And so you prioritize the highest impact things. Um, and, and the other thing, and, and, you know, I, I have a, I have a running joke inside my own head, uh, that, you know, I, I hope many companies adopt this, but I also hope they don't we get a ton of recruiting benefits. Right, right. right. A ton of recruiting benefits. Yeah. Um, our sales leader, uh, when we were hiring for, uh, we were kind of almost tripling our sales team, put out a post around what we're doing and, and uh, the post went viral, right? We got 300 applicants for six positions. Um, and, uh, and that sort of kind of recruiting power, the type of talent that you might attract, uh, is unparalleled. So um, that's been an, another unexpected yeah. benefit of of, uh, hmm. of the program. So you said you you know you, it's you do want other companies to adopt it o- for overall for for the health of, yeah. of employees, yeah. but in a way you don't I because don't. you like the competitive advantage you have, and you're a true entrepreneur. And I appreciate yeah. entrepreneur. And I appreciate that. But um, have you seen other companies that that have taken it on, taken it on as taken on the four day work week yeah. as well here in Indy? Yeah, yeah, um, um, yes. So we we've I've gotten the flood of of uh, messages from folks, and and that's polarizing. Yeah, right? like there are some people who think like no. Like, why would you do that? Um, it just seems like, you know, you are not going to serve your customers as well. Your employees, they, they, you know, they might not want to dictate a day off. Yeah. Uh, I've seen lots of commentary around it. But all folks who haven't done it before. Um, and the, but I've also gotten the, the other side of the equation where a lot of companies have reached out to us for guidance yeah. and, and insights around, like, how to structure these things. Um, and, uh, and people have taken the plunge. and. And so you bring up a good point, though. So if you're a software company and you've got users, those users aren't taking Friday off. Some of those users aren't taking Saturday and Sunday (laughs) off. So if they have a problem with your software, how how do they get it resolved? Yeah. So we uh, we still have around the clock coverage. Got it. So. Um, so what we do is we rotate our customer um, support staff and engineers uh, who are on call on those Fridays. And so um, we still uh, have the same SLAs to deliver customer support responses. We still solve problems for our customers on those Fridays. It, uh, what, what's been interesting is we tend to see the lowest volume of support tickets on Fridays. Yeah. Um, so, Makes sense. Uh, so we don't, we, you, know, you know, although we do have that support there. 
um, we don't see a ton of volume from our customers hmm. on Fridays. Makes sense. I get the fewest emails on Friday. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone's cool. kind of winding down for the week. So do you think Indy can be a leader in, in this four-day work week? Or Yeah, I hope yeah. so. Yeah. I mean, I think we've got an opportunity to kind of set a trend. I feel like, you know, the Midwest spirit, it's, it's you know, hardworking, humble, hungry, smart. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and we'd like to take care of our people. Um, I would love for Indianapolis to be like an eco center for um, for this type of new way of thinking and working. I think it has a lot of benefits for the morale of of employees and the output production of of these companies. And and if we can continue to be that powerhouse in Indianapolis, I think the trend for the ecosystem at large will be pretty pretty dramatic. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm, I'm very hopeful. Cool. Yeah. And hopefully it helps you to continue to attract new employees to come yes. work for you. So yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, I appreciate your time today, y'all, uh, for coming in and talking to us. And um, just w- wish you guys the uh, con- continued success. Yes. And uh, we're glad to see that you're here in Indy and you've made this your home and or Indiana your home. Yeah. And you continue to grow here. So, Thank you very yeah. much. I appreciate Thanks. the opportunity. This is a lot of fun.